Hello and welcome to the Thumb Through Education Research Made Approachable. Today, we're going to do something a little bit different. We are going to look at a specific theorist in composition. Now, some of you might know that my major is secondary English ed. ELA is one of my major interests as an educator and as a student, and composition specifically, I don't know if I've talked about this before, is one of my favorite subjects. Graf argues that while instructors can choose to avoid discussing issues on which they disagree, students are still presented with the differing views of each in the classroom. Thus, students mentally compartmentalize their instructors. What's worse, according to Graf, is that rather than helping students familiarize themselves with the discourse and disagreements of the academy, liberal pluralism has resulted in students being exposed to a variety of subjects and ideas with little support in understanding why, or even when, their professors disagree, and how their ideas and disciplines are connected. Graf suggests not only teaching the conflicts in individual courses, but across the whole curriculum, clearly demonstrating to students the connections and disputes between disciplines. When the conflicts in academia are used to organize the curriculum, writes Graf, the conflicts that are now compounding the confusions of students have the potential to help those students make better sense of their education and their world. For many students, Literature itself is intimidating, regardless of which viewpoints are expressed and whose culture is represented. These students may feel distant from intellectual work as a whole, which is just as significant as feeling unrepresented in the material. As previously mentioned, Graf believes this can largely be attributed to, quote, our isolation from each other, which makes our jobs harder, not least by depriving students of a continuing conversation that they might join, but by leaving them confused about the relationships between courses and instructors. As described on the front of his Francis Andrew March Award for Distinguished Service to the Profession of English Studies, Graf invites all parties to gather where the intellectual action is, to join the fray of arguments that connect books to life and give studies in the humanities educational force. In the introduction to his seminal text, They Say, I Say, Graf observes that enabling students to enter complex conversations will empower them not only in academia, but in their professional and personal lives generally, making them more apt to think critically through their ideas and to carefully consider those they encounter. Such a perspective in action suggests that the first step to academic success, and perhaps intellectual empowerment in general, is knowledge of the basic components of intellectual criticism, rather than the changing of texts and materials. Graf suggests that assessments for majors should share one central theme, the ability of students, the ability of students quote, to summarize an assumption or claim in their major discipline and respond to it articulately in writing. If this is where our expectation should lie, we might ask how we can get students to such a level of discourse. The standard seems clear and simple enough, yet somehow it eludes the authors of many undergraduate essays. To paraphrase Graf's priorities, the most important element in academic writing is being able to express one's own ideas in response to, and with a clear understanding of, another's ideas. This in Graf's opinion, is what leads to productive discourse. According to Graf, 
While critical thinking goes deeper than the structure of a sentence or a paragraph, the habits involved in such thinking and writing cannot be put into practice unless one has a language for expressing them in clear, organized ways. In They Say, I Say, Graf suggests using formulaic layouts to familiarize students with the structure and rules of academic language until they have internalized and incorporated them into writing independently. He points out that any complex activity requires mastering, quote, a series of complicated moves, which may seem mysterious to those who haven't learned them. Luckily for us, it seems that the basic rules of academic writing are so universal that templates do not immediately seem inappropriate. The first template Graf introduces is, of course, they say, I say. They may represent a common belief or some wider group with which some readers may identify. What is important here is that the student can clearly state the view he is opposing or agreeing with so that the reader understands why the work was written in the first place. This template, along with the much more complex ones that Graf introduces later on, is designed to help students make challenging moves in their writing. It may be argued that the use of formulas and templates can weaken or undermine students' creativity. However, Graf rebuts, quote, Creativity and originality lie not in the avoidance of established forms, but in the imaginative use of them. Nor does the implementation of conventional formulas and simple phrases not developed by the author constitute plagiarism, because the formulas and phrases themselves are so simple and common. Indeed, all forms of writing and speech are dictated by formulas. Graf argues in his Chronicle article titled Point of View in Teaching Composition, formulaic is not a four-letter word, that a complete rejection or denial of formulas in language forfeits, quote, a valuable tool for clarifying academic mysteries to large numbers of students. If intellectual argument is so central to an effective education, why does Graf feel the need to go to such lengths to make academic discourse more accessible? The appendix of the K-12 Common Core Standards has its own subcategory titled The Special Place of Argument in the Standards. This section states, immediately before quoting Graf himself, that the standards put a particular emphasis on students' ability to write sound arguments on substantive topics and issues, as this ability is critical to college and career readiness. Why, then, are incoming college freshmen not prepared to argue productively once they arrive on campus? In an article titled The Unbearable Pointlessness of Literature Writing Assignments, published in the Common Review, Graf claims that many literature courses, even at the university level, call for a kind of pseudo-argument. That is, students are encouraged to make observations about the reading, but not to consider where their observations fall in the larger academic conversation, whether their observations have already been made and published by another, or which conversations and preconceived notions they might write in response to. Just as Graf argues that the language of academic discourse is foreign to most students, and seeking to justify the temporary use of formulaic templates in their writing processes, he also claims that most academic and literary criticism is often unreadable to undergraduates. Here, his proposed solution is to use debates about pop culture and or the news as familiar models of critical discourse that could nudge students toward advanced literary criticism. 
It is essential that English educators teach form and structure. Consider that a kind of tautology, if you will. Not every student will need a clear-cut model like those in graphs they say I say, but each must be familiar with the rules of academic discourse if they are to thrive as a student and as a critically thinking citizen able to engage in conversations they would otherwise be linguistically barred from. Graph's use of templates can be recommended at the discretion of an educator who knows his or her students well. With this discretion in mind, it is worth noting that most students are likely entirely unfamiliar with academic language and therefore have needs placing them in the hypothetical please show them these templates category. As formulaic as they seem, and indeed are, Graph's layouts allow students to communicate their ideas clearly in the context of an overarching, ever-growing academic conversation. As students begin to internalize the conventions of the discourse, intellectual culture will seem less mysterious, and disagreements between instructors, historical figures, authors, and critics will lay themselves out in a new light of clarity and welcoming. Thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful day, and never stop learning. So we're going to look at the theory and philosophy of Gerald Graff. Gerald Graff believes students have largely been excluded from real academic and cultural conversations. He claims this is due to their lack of exposure to disciplinary conflicts, the rigid course-defined structure of today's school schedules, and their illiteracy in the practices of an effective intellectual argument. Much of his writing is centered on these issues, their implications, and his proposed solutions for instructors and students alike. In his book, Beyond the Culture Wars, Graff introduced his argument that schools and colleges should respond to curricular and disciplinary conflicts by teaching the conflicts, in his words, to the students, engaging them in debates about disciplines and how they should be studied. This concept, and even Graff's specific phrasing, has since been popularized and implemented into academic standards across the United States. Specifically, in his article titled Organizing the Conflicts in the Curriculum, Graff argues that students should be aware of and included in the debate over the merits of and implications of diversifying the curriculum in the humanities. A culturally diverse curriculum, Graff observes, inherently enriches the content of education, However, it may leave some students confused by apparent disagreements over what they have assumed to be historically, interpretively, or philosophically true. They may have grown accustomed to hearing historical events or literary interpretations presented from a single perspective and thus require preparation for the argumentative nature of academia in regards to this issue and many others. Witnessing academic disagreements can be exciting for students who come to the university already skilled at synthesizing ideas on their own. Others, however, become confused and try to protect themselves by giving each teacher what he or she seems to want, even if it contradicts what the last teacher wanted. In his case for the outcomes-based assessments titled Why Assessment, Graff terms this phenomenon corseocentrism, 